MLM Nation, episode 106. Show your your market that you are serious, that this is, we're not doing a half job. If you look like a, a train that is going to leave the station, uh, people are going to be afraid of that and they're going to want to jump on board. If you want to be successful, you just have to copy what MLM leaders do. Welcome to MLM Nation, presented by your host, Simon Chess. Where you'll learn strategies, secrets, and inspiring stories from today's top MLM income earners. MLM Nation, this is Simon Chan. I'm fired up to bring a special guest, someone I really look up to when I started my MLM journey, this guy was Gen Y, super dynamic, Duke Tubtim. Duke, are you ready to make it happen? I'm ready, Simon. In just two years, Duke Tubtim went from delivering pizzas at the age of 19 to a multiple seven-figure income by the age of 21. Throughout his career, he became a top earner and a million-dollar earner in three different companies. Duke's earned over $7 million in lifetime commissions in MLM. And what's most impressive is that many of the top Gen Y leaders from California, including, and also not just California, but worldwide, including many who have been featured on MLM Nation, all came from his system. Duke is now a Level 4 chairman and a member of his company's Founders Club, which is renowned for his tenacity and commitment to the team's success. Duke lives with his wife, Sheila, and their daughter, Sophia, in Orange County, California. So, Duke, I've given ML Nation just a brief intro, but please share more about your background and how you came across network marketing. Well, I came across uh, actually in high school. So uh, I've been in a high school for, for quite some time now, but uh, I was around 16, 17 years old. And uh, there were some students there that were building the business with their parents. And I started to notice their success. And for me, that caught my attention because I didn't come from a well-to-do family. Uh, my, my family, just to give a brief uh, uh, bio on them, my mother was a nurse uh, working full-time, and my father was an engineer until he had a stroke, and he had a stroke when I was in the sixth grade. So from there, he was uh, disabled. Uh, half his body was paralyzed. He couldn't work anymore. So we, we, we came from, a, I guess I came from a family where uh, I, I would always tell people I was kind of spoiled, where if I didn't get the, the toy at Toys R Us uh, that Saturday, I would probably get it the following Saturday. But after my father had his stroke, it was, uh, uh, it, again, it was more of a struggle. So I, I had a chance to see two sides of the coin, where uh, we were doing well and then not doing well. So for me, when I saw, again, the success uh, that some people were getting, uh, I wanted to know more about it. So did you join right away back then, or you still held back a little bit? I felt at the time, uh, I said, why not give it a, a shot? Uh, what was weird was the philosophies in, in terms of talking about a job versus a business and uh, just hearing how, it's, how the future is for a lot of people with jobs. The philosophy, it, it, what's, what's crazy is that we're not told that in high school. We're not told that. Uh, at a younger age. And so when I heard all the logic to it, I said, you know what, uh, for some, some for some reason, it makes sense. And uh, yes, I, I came on board, but I didn't last very long. I only lasted three days. Uh, I, I always tell people I didn't make it past the weekend. And, 
<laughs> yeah, I didn't make it past the weekend. I uh, tried to do it my own way, I guess you could say. So I was uncoachable. And uh, I didn't have a means of transportation. Uh, but what happened was around a year later, now uh, being a senior in high school, uh, my parents uh, dropped the bomb on me saying, oh, we can't send you to the college that you want to go to because I went through uh, multiple sur- uh, sur- I went through multiple surgeries on my jaw and uh, it in a nutshell wiped out the college fund that my parents were saving up for me. So that's when I started looking for a job again. And uh, I said, you know what? I did uh, that thing. Uh, why don't I give it another go at it? So at around uh, 17 years old, I, I went back into the industry and really started to learn the ropes. So did you have success uh, the second time around? Did you have success right away? Or there's still some hurdles and challenges you had to overcome? Well, I still had a, a perception on how to do the business. So again, I, I was still uncoachable to a certain degree. And I guess what ended up happening is that that moment of truth where you either just give up and quit or you just say, you know what, I just need to swallow my pride and just really listen to a system that works and really follow it to a T. And uh, that's uh, what I did. And uh, I, I wish I didn't have to learn the hard way. But again, it was really that turning point where I go, I either quit at this moment or just really take in something. And then my business started to grow. Can you share a little bit more about that, that time when you changed the mindset? It's kind of, or maybe it was another moment, like an aha moment where like the light bulb went off. And after that, then you hit the seven figures. Well, I think I just got really frustrated. I got really frustrated at that time. And I went to my uplines and I said, man, this crazy thing, this thing don't work. And they said, no, 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 Duke, you got it all wrong. This thing works. They said, Duke, you don't work. And they told me what they said uh, was pretty dramatic, but it hit home. They said, Duke, you don't talk well. You don't dress well. Uh, They said you didn't even smell well. I mean, they even went down to to smell. And I I just I I don't know if they took that uh, uh, if they really meant that. But I got their point because they said this at the end of their statement. They said, Duke, why would anybody want to work with you? if they don't even want to be like you. Hmm. And when I heard that, it, as I said, certain things clicked. And I, I started to, to work the system, so to speak, and my success started to grow. I, I didn't make a fortune at, at the age of 18 years old. At that time, I compared myself to my friends, and I think a lot of people do that. Uh, I, I compared myself, and I was doing better than the majority of my friends, And I guess at that age, that's kind of what matters because, as I said, we do compare ourselves to others. Uh, What happened, though, at 18, uh, going on 19, is I got into a car accident. And uh, it wasn't even my fault. It was a a hit and run. It was a four-car pileup. But my parents uh, took that opportunity to kind of like lay down the law because they didn't want me doing this type of work. They felt it was... Uh, to put it in simple words, uh, socially embarrassing. And so they, they said to me, uh, you need to go and, in, in, in essence, get a real job. And uh, they just said, you didn't want to stress out your father, uh, uh, potentially give him another stroke. And so when they said all that, I said, you know what, I'm, I, I got I to listen. And uh, I ended up taking my first job, which was pizza delivery. And uh, when I did that for around eight months, I, I did pizza delivery, 16 units of college, uh, where I was going to school at, 
And also I had to uh, fix my own car, which was uh, weird at the time because I wasn't an auto mechanic. My dad had really good friends that were auto mechanics. And uh, he, I guess you could say, found his way to say, you know what, uh, you're going to work with them until the car was fixed. And uh, that was an extreme workload. Uh, my body couldn't handle it anymore after six months. I ended up having these periods where I would just collapse. I would wake up on the floor and it would freak me out. So I finally went to the hospital uh, and then uh, being in the ER room, had an MRI CAT scan done, speaking to a neurologist. And they just told me, they said, Duke, you know, you got to stop what you're doing because uh, you're overworking yourself. And they were giving me all types of stories of people that would fall and, and, and pass away because they would hit the ground wrong. All the, I mean, they were, they were just freaking me out. And I came out of that hospital a completely different person. And I said to myself, what, what am I doing? Uh, and I felt like I brought that upon myself. And I think that was the missing piece of the puzzle uh, in terms of what really started to blow up my business because I gathered the skills but I wouldn't say I had the work ethic. And when I came out of that hospital, uh, I said to myself, you know what? There are people out there that work so hard and they don't get the lifestyle that they want to have. I had my first job, which was pizza delivery. And it didn't pay too bad at the time with tips and all. But I thought to myself, even if I got paid 10 times more at my pizza job, it's still would not give me a decent lifestyle. And when all of that combined hit, I came into the business again with a different work ethic. And that's when things really changed for me. That's when my business started to blow up. When you say about work ethic, um, what would your schedule like? How would you fit in like working quote unquote hard with your pizza delivery times? I would say the philosophy was eight till faint. Uh, eight till faint. And... Mm. Yeah, I I would wake up and I would just see uh, the type of meetings I would have scheduled and uh, just really build out the team. And uh, I was there, of course, to to provide the support. And what ended up happening after a while, I I think what really started to to blow up my businesses through that work ethic, I started to get paid well. Again, not a fortune. Uh, but I, I started to get paid very, very well, where uh, I felt like I didn't need to uh, even think about a job anymore. So I, at the time, I was making around $2,000 a week. And when you're uh, 19 years old, uh, that feeling back then in 1998, or no, I'm sorry, back then in the year 2000, uh, I felt like I was, I was making it. You didn't hear young people during that time making uh, a, a lot of money. And uh, what would happen is there would be groups that would come up to me asking me questions and would say, hey, I'm trying to get my business to, to, to blow up. And they would ask me to give them advice, which I did. And the crazy thing is, as I started to give them that advice, that really blew up my income. So uh, I don't know if you want me to elaborate more on that. No, that's that's good. Now, what I want to um, interested in is like uh, you've had a lot of success, but success is built during the hard times. So you've had so much experience, and again, what fifteen? How many years have you been? Seventeen years? I would say almost twenty. years. Twenty years. This is incredible. So, what is your worst moment you ever had in network marketing? 
like the worst moment where ninety nine percent of people was like this. You know, this profession sucks. I want to quit. But somehow you hung in there, and because you hung in there, you learned some. That experience made who you are today, and really you learned the lessons that helped you become. You know, to earn seven million through throughout your career. You know, I've had. I want to say I've had many bad times. I'm sure. I can't. I can't. I can't say that one was worse than the other because they all had their own place. They all. They each had their own learning lesson. And I guess before my business broke through, the absolute worst time was that feeling of karma where I didn't take my business as serious as I should have. I got comfortable. Uh, too soon at at nineteen uh, at eighteen nineteen years old ended up having to take that job as a pizza delivery driver uh, felt absolutely broke and and working uh, a ton and uh, as I said that really forged my work ethic and uh, I don't know Simon if you want me to talk about other as I said all of them to me were almost equally as bad. Can you share one, just any one of them? Sure. Uh, well, that definitely was the the worst one that led to my first major breakthrough in the industry. And when I was then 23 years old, I worked for a company that eventually went out of business. And I was really, really uh, disheartened because what happened was the management couldn't get along. So it wasn't anything that we were doing in terms of lack of production. We were actually producing very well. It's just that, again, management couldn't get along, so they shut down the doors. And uh, I, again, had a bad taste in my mouth. And I felt, you know what? Having that lifestyle, getting that residual income is like the magic unicorn. And I had friends that convinced me. Ironically, friends convinced me. And they said, Duke, it's like it's like dating. If you had a bad date, would you stop dating? And... Uh, when they gave those analogies to me, I, I just told them, I, I don't think a good company exists. Again, I've just been in the industry for for around five years, and I said it's, it was a tough time. Um, they convinced me to get into a company, and what was tough at that time was what your reputation becomes. And my reputation became more so he's a guy that looks like he can do network marketing, but he doesn't know how to pick a good company. Hmm. So imagine building your business with that reputation. I mean, it was, it was hard for the first three to six months because everyone wanted to watch and see what would happen. So a lot of uh, listeners may have gone through that. They've switched companies before uh, and their war markets have burned out. So what did you do? You said you had a tough three to six months. So how did you actually, did you develop a new, new friends? What did you do? Yeah, well, what happens is when you, when you start working for another, uh, let's say when, if that does happen, where in the event that you work for another company, uh, your immediate team and the people that are, let's say, close to you that knew what you were doing, they, uh, of course, may be hesitant. That's, that's, that's normal. But more than likely, you have also a circle of friends that are acquaintances. And let's say they missed the boat in terms of what you were doing before. They saw where you're going with it. But they felt, you know what, that train left the station. Those people actually end up becoming very, very good prospects. 
And uh, for me, that's what started to get my business going is working with those people. Again, the people that they did not join you uh, that first time or maybe that second time. And they said, wow, I think that I think that business opportunity could could really do it for for me. But again, they're hesitant to get started with you because they thought that you're already doing pretty good. And as I said, the train left the station. Those people I would go to first and that can actually get your group going. That's awesome advice. Now, let's share another story. Take us to the time that you consider your proudest moment in network marketing. Hmm. I would say my proudest time in, in network marketing I would say uh, was when I was, uh, I think I was 20 years old and I did break uh, a seven figure and uh, I was very fortunate to be their top money earner and it wasn't the money and it it wasn't being the top earner. It was more so proving it to myself because you deal with people all day. Uh, say, oh, you're not going to make it. I mean, they, they have their, their judgment on you. And I think nothing feels better uh, in terms of one of the major breakthroughs is when you prove it to yourself where you go, you know what, I didn't listen to all the noise. And, and because I didn't, this is where I am now. I would say that would be my first major feeling of accomplishment. Now, Duke, you have an amazing reputation in the uh, network marketing community. And there's a lot of the leaders, uh, including ones like Daniel Song, Julian Doan, Nancy Ong, these are friends of mine who've been featured on ML Nation, and also, you know, leaders like Aaron Ding, Michael Chaos, the, the list goes on and on. You, They all came from your system. Like you're kind of like the, not to make you sound old, but like the grandfather, right? They were like normal distributors, and, you, they, and now they're become like super, superstars. What is your secret? How do you develop leaders? How do you, you have a, a amazing success in developing leaders in network marketing? Well, one thing I'll say is, is first off, they they may have gotten their start uh, within uh, my organization at, at one point in time, and, and they have definitely developed themselves, and now they are fantastic leaders uh, in, in the industry. And perhaps one thing I'll, I'll, I would say is, because this is what I believe, I, I believe that they have had extensive training, not by necessarily by me. Maybe I was a, a starting point, and of course they have, have further and developed themselves. But maybe one thing I could say that where I may have helped is the beginning of their foundation. Uh, perhaps the beginning of their belief in the industry, I think, is really big. I think a, a lot of times younger people are afraid of the industry, and they get a lot, a lot of, of, of negative feedback right out the gate. And to be uh, to give them that confidence to to talk with um, many of them or uh, their upline that eventually talked to them uh, to give them that confidence uh, initially, and then from there uh, the start of the uh, of a rhythm, uh, a rhythm where they can build this business uh, part time and and enjoy some of the benefits right away. Uh, and make their their entire life work, meaning if they have school or if they have a job, right? And if they have uh, friends and family, they, they need to be able to balance all that. And I would say perhaps uh, what I was able to do was, was that, those two things, uh, where, again, uh, helping them 
with their confidence and just talking about the, the, the negative things that go out there, what people say and, and how I perceive it. And as I said, secondly, is giving them a base foundation uh, where they can get the, the small wins right away in their business where they say, you know what, I like this, this feels great. And then they further uh, progress in their career in the industry. Now, you've been in the profession like for 20 years. You've seen a lot of things. What is one thing that excites you most about the profession? And do you see, do you think that, do you see like people are more open to network marketing now than when you first started? Oh, yes. Uh, people are way more open to network marketing today than back when I started. Back when I started, uh, back in 1998 is when I really started uh, getting serious about this. Back then, jobs, I would say, actually paid well. Uh, job income hasn't really changed, but the price of gasoline was a dollar. <laughs> so uh, uh, talking about a, a Big Mac, for sake of example, and I'm not saying, again, uh, being uh, health-related, I, I, I tend not to, to eat that type of food. But just talking about it in terms of reference, I mean, a, a Big Mac back then was around a dollar, and now it's around $4. So... Uh, when people would say, oh, I, I'm doing well or I have a good paying job back in 98, they, act, they actually had a point. Uh, but now today, because things have gotten so much more expensive, uh, they're looking for options now. And yes, uh, I, I, I come across more people that know about network marketing or have done network marketing than those that have never heard of network marketing before. Talking about Talking about what fires me up about uh, uh, this industry today, I would say is that we have the ability to not just become successful, uh, we have the ability to share that with others because there is a saying that it's lonely at the top. And uh, I've noticed in, in a lot of traditional businesses, uh, the business owner and maybe a couple key players become highly successful and everyone else uh, makes a, a fraction of that. So there is that, as I said, that feeling of it's lonely at the top. And also, uh, in terms of uh, uh, traditional businesses, you can't give your secrets away uh, because you're afraid that you might create your own competition. But what I love about uh, this line of work, what I love about network marketing is, one, your success deals with your team's success. So the more successful your team is, the more successful you become. So everyone is becoming successful together. And also you have invested interest to share with people around you what you were doing that made you successful. So what's great is that I, I feel there's a lot of good karma that comes with that. Yeah, you brought up a really good point about the rising cost about, uh, you're right, the Back in '98, people could actually have a decent job, and now we've—I forgot when the day you know when gas was a dollar a gallon, and not to mention housing. Right, housing is probably most places, a lot of big cities doubled or tripled since then. But salaries definitely haven't increased that, haven't increased at all. So that's a very good point you brought up. Now, as we wrap up towards the end of the show, some uh, really quick questions to to pick your brain. Okay, and the first one is. What is one of your favorite success quotes that motivates you? I would say uh, service to many leads to greatness. And uh, I know uh, Jim Rohn says that. 
and that's probably one of my core values uh, when when it comes to building the business. What is one habit that's helped you become successful? One habit I would say is the constant drive to be more efficient with my business, to constantly improve uh, uh, my business because I know the the easier I can make it, the more the more simple I can make it. And when I share that with others, they will be able to achieve success even faster than when I started off in the business. What's the best piece of advice you ever received? The best piece of advice I ever got was actually from a guest. Uh, and this was way back in the beginning of my business. And uh, I, as I said, in the very beginning, did not have the right attitude at first. And, and finally, I said, you know what? I'm going to listen to the training. I've, I've heard so many. Uh, I, I've heard the training so many times. I'm finally going to swallow my pride and, and ego and follow it to a T. And the first guest that I brought uh, uh, when it was all said and done, I asked uh, him, so do you see a way for yourself to make some extra income here, perhaps a way to uh, create even more free time? And my, my prospect said, yeah, absolutely. And this is what he said. He said, so how do I get started? Do, do, I, do I pay you? And for me, that was the first time I've ever had that. I've, I brought a good amount of guests. I'm like, wow, usually after a presentation's done, I got to talk to him for at least another 20 to 30 minutes. This person's asking me, so how do I pay you? I was, I was so taken by that. I didn't even have an application ready. <laughs> <laughs> and as I was helping him get started, I asked him and I felt to myself, this was probably one of the worst questions to ask someone as they're getting started because I may not look confident, but I just had to know. And I asked him, so what made you decide to want to come on board? Again, that's probably one of the worst questions you want to ask, especially when they haven't got they're, they're on the process of getting started. And he said, Duke, you don't see it. He said, Duke, you look so serious about this. And you look like you're going somewhere. It was those two things right there, the, probably the most important piece of advice I have ever gotten. And I always tell people it's just ironic. I got it from a guest. Became the basis. Again, the one of the major uh, pieces of my foundation is to show your, your market that you are serious, that this is we're not doing a half job. And, and it shows in your demeanor and the way you carry yourself. But the second thing is you look like you're going somewhere. If you look like a, a train that is going to leave the station, uh, people are going to be uh, afraid of that and they're going to want to jump on board. And as I said, that advice I got from a guest. That's a really awesome story. Now, what is your favorite prospecting tool that you use? Do you use a, so someone is interested, do you use a newsletter? Do you use your company magazine? Do you send people to a webinar or do you send them a link to an online video? What do you like, Duke? Maybe I'm a little bit old school, but I mean, I, I feel like our fav my favorite tool is that whole uh, belly to belly uh, uh, talking to them. Uh, so when it comes to a tool itself, I mean, yeah, today we uh, we use uh, like a website that we build our business with. But um, 
it still requires that human touch. So my most favorite tool, I, I, I don't know if it's called a tool, but I want to say it's the human touch because um, I know there are a lot of prospecting tools out there, uh, but knowing that around 70% of people are looking for opportunity, what will get them started is when they're able to, to see the possibilities and I just feel that sometimes even the best tools may not be able to do that. But just a simple talk person to person uh, can completely change the game. So I guess you could say that would be my 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 favorite tool if it even is if it even is a tool. Do you have a favorite online resource like a Dropbox or Evernote or maybe a favorite app on your phone that you could recommend to our listeners? Uh I don't really have that. Again, maybe I'm I'm old school. Uh, I I have a Facebook, so uh, but other than that, no, I don't I don't really have a tool that I can outright recommend. What's one book you could recommend to ML Nation? One book that I've read, I don't even know how many times I've read that book is uh, the Twenty One Irrefutable Laws of Leadership by John C. Maxwell. And uh, that book, I would say, is, is crucial as you get your team off the ground because getting, getting your group off the ground, uh, I'll tell you, just, just hard work and, and, and being dedicated can definitely do that. But after a while, once your group gets really, really large, uh, you have to know what decisions to make. I, I like to call them the gray areas where it's not – there's not a definite answer on exactly what to do. You kind of have to follow your gut. But there are, are certain rules, I guess you could say. And, and that's where the laws come in. So when you have to make that split-second decision, that could make or break a team. That could put a team into momentum or actually give them uh, two months of a slowdown. Uh, as I said, that book is, is probably key for anyone that really wants to blow up an organization. And ML Nation, I know you love audio because you listen to this podcast. If you haven't already, you can get an amazing free audiobook at MLMNationBook.com. That is MLMNationBook.com. So, Duke, here's the last question, the million-dollar question. Are you ready? I'm ready. Before we go to the million-dollar question, ML Nation, I know you want to grow your business. And I know you want to earn more income. So that's why I want to share with you something that will instantly help your business and increase your income. You already know the importance of sponsoring. And if you can't sponsor, the fact is you simply won't earn any real income in network marketing. Sponsoring is so important. And that's why I'm inviting you to a free training that will change your business forever. I want you to check out my free sponsoring workshop webinar where you're going to learn how to invite more prospects, overcome the objections, and sponsor more distributors. You can register for this free training at www.sponsoringworkshop.com. Again, that's sponsoringworkshop.com. If you like these podcasts, these podcasts for ML Nation and these trainings, you'll find this free webinar even more helpful. This is the training that helped me earn over a million dollars in MLM and give me the residual income so I can be a stay-at-home dad my kids. And also have the time to give back and produce these MLM Nation podcast episodes for you. This is the training, the skills that help me become successful in network marketing. And you're going to learn this at this free sponsoring workshop webinar. So some, here are some of the things you would learn and get. You're going to get the first step you must take before you even talk to your contact list. 
you're going to discover the three type of prospects and how you must talk to them differently. Okay, not all prospects are the same. They're different. You also get my proven cold market scripts that will help you convert strangers into prospects. These are the things that help me. I mean, I didn't sponsor 200 people in a year, but I sponsored over 80-something people in one year. How would your business grow if you sponsored 80 people in a year? You also learn how to get prospects to overcome the objections. So listen to your presentations. You know, an MLM objection, how to, you know, I don't have any money. So you're going to discover, you're going to learn all those things. And also, the best part is you get my famous six-figure close. So you can sign up prospects. And this is the same script, why it's a six-figure close. Because I used it to sign up one of my party friends. This guy was a party animal. And I used that six-figure close. And he joined. And now he's a diamond director and earns me a six-figure passive income just from one person. And so you'll get the same six-figure close on this free webinar. So anyway, enough of what you learned. What you really need to do now is register right now or write this website down. It's at www.sponsoringworkshop.com. Okay, sponsoringworkshop.com. This free webinar is offered three different days. That's the cool part. This is three different days at four different times. So they can, so that anyone around the world, because I know ML Nation, you guys are global, you can listen to it. And even better, if you don't have the patience, you want it immediately, there's an option. If you go to sponsoringworkshop.com, there's an option to watch it now immediately. So you can watch it right now and learn. So start learning the skills that help me build a million-dollar ML business and go to sponsoringworkshop.com. So I look forward to seeing the training. So now you know about something that's going to help you. I have to share that with you. Let's go back to the show and to the million-dollar question. Here's the million-dollar question. Imagine you had to start all over again, and you knew no one. So you didn't know your wife, Sheila. You didn't know your friends, your leaders. You know you had a contact list of zero, but you had all your current knowledge, skills, and wisdom. So it's kind of like you're an alien that went to another planet, and they spoke English. What's the first thing you would do to find prospects and build an ML business from scratch? The first thing I would do is to make sure uh, I, and this is a policy that I have, is to make sure that I, I am working in a company that I love the product so much that even if I wasn't getting paid for it, I would still use the products. And I think that's such a big deal because it really shows in how you carry yourself. And so when I have that type of pride in, in what I'm providing, then from there, I would go out in the field. And again, just knowing statistics that 70% of people are looking for opportunity. So it just comes down to who's explaining it to them. So uh, I would go to places that I would have commonality first because I would feel much more comfortable there. Uh, I believe prospecting even for for those that are even very experienced, it, it, it can get a little, uh, uh, people can feel a little nervous sometimes. So I would want to start off in some, in a, in a place that I feel, as I said, I feel comfortable. Um, I, being a car guy, uh, I can go to, uh, let's say functions, uh, uh, car meets, or there's like cars and coffee and just kind of walk around as I said, feel comfortable because there, there are people there just like me and start strike uh, start striking conversation with them. And again, I just know that seven out of 10 are looking for opportunity. So uh, I would start there. And then uh, the second place I would go to after, again, the places that I feel comfortable with, maybe because of my hobbies and, and passions, is straight out, 
not having a preference after that, not having a preference because I know if I talk to, uh, again, out of 10 people, seven of them will be interested. And, uh, but since it is cold market, I, I understand too that a very, a, a fraction of them will want to really hear about the opportunity. But I've been told this statistic that if you talk to 100 people, 20 of them uh, will more than likely hear you out. And out of the 20 people, five of them will come on board. So if I go and do that, and if I work aggressively in, in my first month or two months, then my goal is to have around 10 people, okay, and, and typically... Uh, in most companies out there, it requires uh, two legs at least to to get paid on. So I would aim as quickly as possible to get 10 teammates on uh, one leg or line and then get 10 teammates on the other leg or line because I know out of the 10 on each line, one of them will become a pretty good producer. And as long as I know how to work with that producer on each of my lines, then my business will start to take off. As we wrap up, do you have any last words of advice? And then what's the best way our listeners can connect and contact you? Words of advice. Uh, I've talked to a lot of people in the industry, uh, many of them that have done well and, and made, uh, let's say, and have made uh, seven figures. And even for myself, I like to ask them questions. And uh, there's a saying, no shame in the game. Right. And I even to this day, I, I like to still learn. And and what I love hearing are the similarities. I, I want to know what they all have in common. And uh, one thing that they've all had in common. Right. The number one advice that they would give is to not quit, to not give up. And what happens is as long as you have that feeling of not wanting to give up, but also saying I am two to three good ideas away from my breakthrough, you will continue to be creative. Because I, I've noticed that some people, they have this feeling of not giving up, but they don't change what they're doing. And if, if they don't change what they're doing, then what's unfortunate is, again, that's saying if you keep on doing what you're doing, you're going to keep on getting what you're getting. So I, I, I would have that mentality of I'm three good ideas away from my breakthrough because it will constantly uh, keep you wanting to grow and, and, and seek uh, the missing piece of the puzzle. Now, in terms of contacting me, uh, I would probably say the best way to contact me is through Facebook. Uh, that'd probably be the best way. And uh, I, I think I should be pretty easy to find on there. And uh, definitely love to make new friends. So yeah, if, uh, if you're on Facebook, uh, definitely just uh, send me a request or message me and definitely love to say hi. ML Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And today, you'll be hanging out with Duke Tubton. So keep up the momentum and go to mlnation.net and type in Duke. That's D-U-K-E at the search bar. And the show notes, all the nuggets of wisdom, the great resources, the stuff that Duke talked about will be right there. In order to be successful in network marketing, you must help others. So Duke, thanks again for sharing your valuable time with ML Nation. We're grateful to you and we appreciate you for having a positive impact on millions of distributors worldwide. Thanks so much, Duke. God bless you. Thank you, Simon. Thank you for having me on. ML Nation, that was a super 
special episode for me to interview Duke Tubden. I'll share you why. You know, um, and this is a really quick recap and review. I share a story. You know, back when I first started, uh, I didn't my, my network marketing business. I sh- you know I shared before how I looked up to Duke, but before I even knew about Duke, I was prospecting a friend in 2004 in the 24 Hour Fitness in Santa Monica. We're late night working out, and I was like new to network marketing for only a couple months. I was prospecting him, and this is you know I didn't know how to do ML objections, but he actually said, "Is this something like this other company?" And I was like, um, I don't know. Well, I knew this guy, Duke Tubton, who's like only 19 years old, 20 years old, and making tons of money. Is this something like that? And I was like, who is this guy, Duke guy? And then it turned out, like later on, um, Duke and I were in the same company later on. I was like, wow, this guy is a legend. So my friend wasn't even in network marketing, but he had a cousin in network marketing. And through his cousin, he knew about Duke. How this young kid, 19, 20 years old, making tons of money by 21. He had like a Ferrari, Lamborghini, and making seven figures. So he is a legend. And, you know, and right before the interview, I was talking to Duke. Like, I've looked up to him since 2005. Uh, I, was, I still remember the first time I met him. I was full-time. I just became full-time. I heard about him, looked up to him. I was just full-time. I was going to events. Again, you have to go to events. And he was speaking there. And I was full-time. I went up and introduced my, myself to him. And I was, like, nervous at that time. I was, like, you know, I was a full-time making maybe forty, fifty thousand 50000 a year. But this guy's a superstar diamond director. And um, from then, I was, like, hey, I'm, I was so happy that I met Duke. You know, I got a chance to talk to him. But he is really cool. And I think the thing that really made me respect him is, like, um, all his teams are huge. They're very Gen Y. It's kind of weird talking to Duke because he's, like, when you talk about technology, he's old school because he's still really, really young. He just got started at a young age. He has 20 years of experience, but he got started when most of us were still sucking our thumbs, right? He was way more mature. Uh, I guess it's because his father, he had a really big why. Like, he had to do something. Uh, but he's just incredible. He's just a guy, like, if you go to his events, he's big teams. And the amount of leaders that is actually kind of, uh, he's created through a system. And some of them directly, some indirectly, but he created a system. So one of the lessons, like his system is creating quick wins, creating that foundation, right? Your downlines, you got to do whatever it takes to create small wins. And a small win could be easily getting the first check to make them feel good. If they don't get the, or it could be like getting set up three appointments, um, the, like minutes after they sign up the application, sit with them, make a couple phone calls with them so they get a quick win. And so at least when they go back home, and this is something to do. So if they go back home and their, you know, their spouse or their girlfriend or boyfriend or roommates, oh, what did you, that doesn't work. Say, no, I just, you know, made some phone calls and I got an appointment set up for tomorrow. If you give them the quick win, it will help you out. Okay? The quick wins uh, yeah, prevents the prevents people from discouraged and helps with your retention. And that's one of the reasons. Like, again, Duke has tons of leaders. Uh, like I, said, I mentioned before, a lot of leaders that, who have been on ML Nation came from Duke. And that's actually the coolest thing about network marketing. Why I love it is because it allows us to give back more, create a legacy, right? Uh, even though those leaders are in different companies from Duke now, but they're amazing, enjoy amazing success, great lifestyles, all because of the system that Duke had created when Duke first met them like 10, 15 years ago. Um, other... Thing aha moments eight to faint like that's work ethic eight to faint you start prospecting he got out of his job eight o'clock do he pass passed out work he will work the business and prospect 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 another big aha moment was you know um, seventy percent of seventy percent of people are looking for opportunity right seventy percent of people are looking for opportunities to so go out there and and tied to that. I don't know if you were paying attention when he answered the million-dollar question. Of course, number one is like he would do things that he likes to do. Second thing is he would have no preference of where he goes. I think that's a big thing. 
I noticed that stopped me in the past before when I first started, and I overcame. Once I overcame that, I got I met a lot of contacts. But we, and then you, if you're listening to this, you may think, oh, um, I like to play basketball. So you know, there's no basketball league tonight. There's no one playing basketball. So I'm gonna just stay home, right? Or like, oh, which basketball should I, league should I join? Or maybe you're into knitting. Oh, which knitting club there is? I, there's no knitting club in my area, so I can't meet people. His advice was, number one, go find what you like to do. Number two is, just go meet people. Don't have any preference. Go to anywhere because the prospects are out there. And the numbers that you gave, I totally agree with them because I can, from my, when I sponsored one person a week, I sponsored over 80-something people in a year or so. Like, those, those numbers work. You talk to 100, guarantee 80 will say flat out no, be negative, say no. 20 will, people will be kind of interested. And out of those 20, you probably get four or five signups. So it's just a matter of talking to people because people are hungry for opportunity. And network marketing, what else are you going to do? He bought a great product. I totally even forgot about this. 1998, gas in the U.S. was like a dollar, a dollar gallon, right? Housing, the average house in L.A. was probably 300000 Now, you know, it's like average house in L.A., even in a ghetto neighborhood, it's like 500000 A decent neighborhood, like a million dollars, right? Um, Food has gone up, right? You talk about tolls have gone up. I remember back in New York, crossing the Holland Tunnel was at my job. You know, I paid like maybe $6 a day, right? That same commute now. I went back to New York recently. I think it's about like $15 to $20, I think, that same commute, right? So salaries have not increased. The average salary of the U.S. has not increased, but everything else has increased. And this is the same throughout. If you go to whether you're living in Australia or living in Canada, you know, petroleum, gas is going up. Housing is going up in the major cities. But salaries are not. And that's why people are open. That's why 70% of people are open to opportunity. If you can't find prospects, that's because you're probably closing your eyes. You're approaching them the wrong way. You've got to know how to approach them. And if you want to learn how to approach them, you need some extra training on that. Attend my sponsoring workshop. It's sponsoringworkshop.com. It's a free, okay, it's a free webinar. It's kind of intense. But will teach you the skills. Um, another aha moment was with Duke. Remember, we're only two to three ideas away from a very big breakthrough. And that is so true because I see most people, they quit way too easily. You have an idea, go for it. It doesn't work, keep going. And so keep going. It's the only way you can lose is by quitting. Um, so keep going. And anyway, I could go on and on. Like Duke Tubman, thank him so much. Go to mlnation.net, type in Duke, D-U-K-E at the search bar. His contact info will be right there. Uh, if you like fancy cars, go check out his Facebook profile. The link will be there. He's got not, a lot of nice cars, including some of those cars that have been featured on commercials. Right? I don't even talk talk about that. But you can go to Facebook and learn more. Car guy, he's awesome. And um, I think that's one of what he trains his leaders too. Like leaders, he takes them to service his nice cars. And that's talk about dream building. That gets his leaders really, really fired up because all his leaders are really into cars. That's the culture he's created. Um, also, if you like the show, make sure leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Those really help. And finally, share it. If you like this, share it. That's how um, keeps the show going. That makes me happy. Share comments with me. I see that. That fires me up. And because my purpose is to have a positive impact as many lives as possible. I want to give back to the ML profession after what's done for me. So share, share, share. Make ML mission. Uh, we, are, we are really in the same profession. 90 million strong. We need to work together. And whoever can help other people, let's go help them. And finally, remember, we're in the profession to help others. Speaking of helping, we're in the profession to help others. So whether it's your other people in the community or of your prospects, remember, we're in the profession to help others. So go out there and have a positive impact on someone's life today. God bless you all. Thank you so much for joining us today on MLM Nation. Head over to MLMNation.net for full recaps of every show, our training articles, and helpful resources. Your MLM success is waiting for you. 